it's something that connects all of these fishers around the world and I think they're the biggest conservationists. They care deeply about oceans and ocean sustainability. And it's it's just such a privilege to be part of this industry and community and, and try to do our bit. This is Fishtails, a seafood podcast. I'm John Sussman. Sustainable seafood is an ethic. The unsustainable harvesting or growing of seafood is both commercially and practically at odds with the ethics of both the 21st century seafood producer and consumer. Global fisheries are perhaps the biggest sustainable challenge after climate change. The world wants to have its fish and eat it. A billion people depend on seafood for their main or only source of animal protein. Hundreds of millions of livelihoods around the world depend on the last global industry harvesting a wild resource for food, and virtually everyone on the planet is impacted one way or another by the worst excesses of overfishing that threaten the functioning, integrity, biological diversity and resilience of our global marine ecosystems. Some, like Australia, have highly structured and well-managed fisheries management regulations, backed by a deep library of scientific research, whilst others, often in the third or emerging world, are lacking in both the structure of fisheries management and the science to support it. The marine conservation NGOs have a pivotal role to play, helping to raise awareness of the plight of the oceans and to galvanise both political and commercial support for change. The Marine Stewardship Council is the preeminent of these NGOs, regarded by many as the gold class of sustainable seafood standards. The MSC has been led by Chief Executive Rupert House since 2004. A lifelong committed environmentalist and a professionally qualified accountant, he has been at the helm of driving the MSC to become the most important eco-label in the world for nearly two decades. Hey, my name is Rupert House, Chief Exec of the Marine Stewardship Council, um, joining this call from Brighton on the south coast of England. <laughs> I'm from a family of actors and musicians. Um, literally no one in my family finished school, no one went to university. Um, I used to be put in front of David Attenborough, The World About Us and various other sort of natural history programs and just developed a deep interest in the environment as we called it then. And um, uh, gosh, I mean, where, where did it begin? It began from those early days of watching David Attenborough and just being in awe of The World About Us and our place within it. So although I then went off and did a degree in economics, it was focused on, you know, um, development economics. I was always interested in food production and trade and uh, sort of history. Um, It was then Thatcher Britain, 80s, very serious time. And I became a chartered accountant, of all things, and um, qualified with KPMG. But just, you know, when the money was getting good, uh, I decided to leave to do a master's in environmental technology at Imperial College. Uh, They all thought I was mad, but that was the first sort of step to actually know I want to work on something to do with environment and what we now call sustainability. So that was the start of it back in 91. And then my career really has been working with non-government organizations uh, focused on solutions, working in partnership to overcome problems and whatever we're focused on, trying to make uh, the world a sort of more equitable, more sustainable place. A background in accounting and academia seems an interesting mix of study for the leader of an environmental NGO. But from an early age, Rupert Howes was passionate about nature. Influenced by conservationists like David Attenborough, 
He was determined to make the world more sustainable. Although he ultimately became an economist instead of a marine biologist, he never strayed from his childhood passion. I've been working with a, um, somebody called Jonathan Porritt, who's probably Britain's leading environmentalist uh, in an organization called um, Forum for the Future. And he and Sarah Parkin, who used to lead the Green Party, Paul Eakins, who's probably Britain's leading environmental economist, had set up Forum in the wake of the Rio Earth Summit, recognizing that the world had woken up. People knew there were issues and there were problems. And what was needed was an organization that would work on delivering solutions in partnership, whether that's with business or higher education or, or, or whatever sector it might be. I led their sustainable economy program working on uh, projects ranging from local economic trading systems to life cycle assessment to uh, renewable energy, uh, uh, sustainable agriculture, a whole load of projects. And whilst I was there, I, I got headhunted. Very, very flattering. I've never been headhunted before um, to join the MSC. And I joined in October 2004. One of the clear distinctions of the MSC from other seafood sustainability marks is that it uses science and evidence to establish a market-based program that works with the seafood industry, the trade and retailers to incentivise and promote sustainable fishing. The MSC drives its certification and eco-labelling program not as an alternative to public policy, but to complement it. Underpinned by a commercial imperative, the cost of complying to the standard provides rigour to the commitment for certification, which in turn demands buy-in from all stakeholders in the supply chain. The Marine Stewardship Council was founded to create a market-based program, something that would connect producers of seafood with consumers of seafood, and working with our partners, create the incentives to catalyze and incentivize uh, improvements where needed to ensure our oceans are fished sustainably. So we have a standard for environmentally responsible and sustainable fishing. That standard is based on the FAO Code of Conduct for Responsible Fishing. At its highest level, it's all about making sure the stocks are healthy, not overfished, that the wider uh, ecosystem impacts of the fishing operations are within ecological limits, uh, and that there is a robust management regime. Um, very important to stress that MSC is the standard holder. We don't certify anything. There's an independent accreditation body. ASI in, based in Germany, they accredit independent certifiers who in turn bring together independent experts to assess fisheries on a voluntary basis against our standard. And there's a whole heap of checks and balances on the qualifications of those assessors. Uh, everything has to be uh, transparent. Any evidence used to score the fishery has to be available to any stakeholder. And literally, you know, every man and his dog can get involved in that assessment, whether it's uh, Greenpeace or WWF or the industry or the government um, or, or, or the market. So it's very much based on evidence and science uh, with an independent peer review of what that first bunch of scientists conclude and also an independent objections process if any stakeholders who've been involved uh, in the assessment process, disagree with the outcome uh, and recommendation of the certifier. So that, that, that all sounds a bit dense uh, and maybe a little bit boring, but it absolutely isn't uh, because it, it, it has created that mechanism that enables well-managed fisheries to demonstrate their good governance of our shared ocean resources to the world. But critically, as I was saying earlier, 
the more the market says we want sustainable, traceable seafood choices, it incentivizes other fisheries to enter into the transparent assessment process and more often than not, make improvements to achieve the standard. And that, that's our contribution to um, delivering a, a vision of healthy, resilient marine ecosystems where seafood supplies are safeguarded for this and future generations. Because, again, it's very important to stress MSC is, um, you know, we're, we're about sustainable resource management. We're not a pure conservation organization. We're pro-fishing. We're pro-eating fish um, as long as it's all done sustainably. The early days for the MSC were hard graft. With limited markets, there was limited interest in a certification standard, which both suppliers and buyers would be required to fund. When Rupert arrived, MSC was not thriving. He revitalised the organisation by hiring new staff, improving finances and developing a strategic plan. Since then, the number of fisheries undergoing certification has exponentially grown, and MSC branded products have become an expectation for many consumers. Well, when I joined it, it was a very small organisation. There was about 15 staff based in a little tiny uh, former stable in Clapham Junction. We had one person in Australia and one person in, in Seattle in, in North America. Um, and I think there were about 10 certified fisheries and about 200 labelled products. And the real challenge in the early years was no supply, no market, no market, no supply. So I can remember... Um, visiting retailers and sort of talking about the challenges the oceans were facing, the critical part of sourcing and preferencing sustainable seafood choices. And understandably, they'd say, well, look, we can't get behind the MSC because, you know, you represent about 0.01% of our seafood offering. You know, consumers will think if we, if we draw attention to the very limited range, you know, the rest of the range isn't sustainable. And it took a long time for MSC to overcome that. No supply, no market, no market, no supply. And the big breakthrough was when some of the big fisheries like the Alaskan Pollock fishery were certified. But um, touch, touching on, on, on what you just said, absolutely. Western Australian rock lobster, the very first fishery certified to the MSC standard. And I think that's why MSC has a very sort of special close relationship with Australia. It's quite remarkable. I think about half the landings in Australia are now certified. You know, the first fishery in the program, there's been firsts in terms of um, the pearl fishery, the first recreational and commercial fishery, the Peel Harvey fishery, uh, and this absolute leadership commitment from the Western Australians, uh, whereby um, the government, Western Australian government, put forward $15 million to enable any of the state's 50 fisheries that wanted to get certified, to engage in the pre-assessment and have a full assessment and help them on their pathway to sustainability. That was pioneering. And it, we're actually, we've just celebrated 10 years since the Western Australians entered that pathway project. 12 fisheries certified, more in full assessment and a growing evidence base of a, of a business case uh, for engagement, improved relations with local communities uh, and indeed, you know, benefits for, for the fishing communities. So, a wonderful story uh, and something we're very proud of. The Rupert Howe's vision for the MSC is to provide a platform for leadership and commitment by not only government and fisheries managers worldwide, but also the distribution and retail trades, and ultimately to motivate and inspire consumers to be part of the preservation of fish stocks in all oceans. It, it's been quite a journey. I, I've been here 18 years now, and... Um, 
We have about 550 fisheries uh, engaged in the program. Uh, they're landing about 19% of wild marine catch uh, and uh, over 2,000 documented improvements as these fisheries have, have, have gone through the assessment process to achieve certification and a market now of certified and labelled product uh, approaching 13 or $14 billion around the world. So I think in the early days, we used to talk about MSC as a concept. Uh, I think it's very much a proven concept now. Where fisheries engage, where the market engages, um, real and lasting change can be delivered in the way our oceans are fished. And this benefits the fishing communities because it ensures that the, the, the fish that their livelihoods depend upon are there for this and future generations. Uh, and it benefits consumers who can continue enjoying sustainable seafood choices into the future. So it's been it's been a lot of growth. Um, you know, we, we've expanded. We have we have offices uh, in about 20 locations around the world. We're working in Latin America and North America throughout Europe, uh, increasingly in Asia. We've got a strong presence in Japan and in China. Uh, and our Oceana office has been in Sydney for, for you know, since inception, pretty much. I think the uh, certification of the Alaskan pollock fishery was a game changer, over a million tons of fish being landed. And I think that gave many of the processors uh, and retailers confidence that there was enough volume to begin to insist on the label on pack. And the benefit of putting the label on pack is all of our work uh, with consumers around the world indicates consumers do care deeply about ocean issues, ocean sustainability, overfishing. And using the MSC Blue Eco label empowers them to reward the fishers that are doing the right thing in terms of fisheries management uh, and to make that simple choice, having the confidence that there's a third party process that sits behind it. So Alaska Pollock coming in uh, and also Walmart, I think in, in 2006, you know, I remember um, visiting them in Bentonville in Arkansas in about 2005. And, and they've been on a journey advised by WWF and Sustainable Fisheries Partnership and others looking at their procurement. And then they made a very bold commitment of sourcing 100% of their wild caught fish from MSC certified fisheries. I think that was a bit of a wake up call for many around the world. I, I remember being in Japan shortly after the Walmart's announcement, and I have no doubt that influenced some of the retailers there to, um, you know, make their own commitments. And it sort of snowballed because essentially what we're trying to do is encourage the market to preference fish from well-managed and sustainable stocks. That's got to be in everybody's interest, consumers, their businesses and the fishers. So um, I think that's why the program's grown. It's not been without its controversy. There's controversial assessments where some of the stakeholders disagree with the outcome. Um, there's always tension on where that bar for sustainability is set. Um, but MSC is, is very much focused on a vision of, of, of working with a global industry, seeing improvements at a global scale, because that's what we need uh, if we really are going to contribute to delivering the sustainable development goals. And really, a quarter of a century on, we have as I said, somewhere between 15 and 19 percent of wild marine capture in the program. We need ultimately for all fisheries, whether they choose to achieve certification or not, to be operating at a sustainable level, particularly when we're facing you know, a growing population that will reach perhaps 8 billion at the end of this year. 
and perhaps 10 or 11 billion by the end of the century. We've then got the existential threat of climate change, which is already having a profound impact on fish migration, reproductive health. Um, the pressures are huge. So I think it really is beholden on everybody uh, to do what they can to make sure these resources are managed sustainably. And we're not going to resolve this just by a market-based program. MSC is, at the end of the day, just a tool. The change that's delivered is delivered by the engagement and leadership of our partners, not MSC. And I think we're also increasingly coming up against a glass ceiling of the failure of global governance to manage fish stocks sustainably. And by that, I mean, you know, governments and RFMOs need to set the right enabling environment to ensure fish are managed sustainably, because the MSC is just a tool to demonstrate that they are being managed sustainably. We're not fisheries managers. And uh, we've got examples now of fish stocks moving north and south to colder waters. Uh, in my part of the world, in the Northeast Atlantic, over 2 million tonnes of certified fisheries have lost their certificates, herring, blue whiting and mackerel, because as they've swum north, uh, states have taken unilateral quotas, which if you add up the totality of those unilaterally set quotas, they're exceeding the scientific recommendations by between 25 and 40 percent. And consequently, the certificates have been lost. You know, we need these nations to set quotas within science. Um, and if we can't do it in this part of the world, it's hard to see how we can expect the Western Central Pacific and, and other other nations to, to, to set the appropriate rules as well. So sorry, an awful lot wrapped up in there, but uh, I'm optimistic. Uh, we know what the what the issues are in terms of overfishing. We know what the solutions are, but we need the market, we need government, and we need leadership from business. And all of us as individuals need to be asking, where's this seafood from? Is it traceable? Is it from a sustainable source? And making sure we get the assurance we need uh, when making those choices. A real challenge for fisheries certification bodies is the disparity of the available science between first and emerging countries. The MSC is developing a means to assist and build the research capabilities, tools and means for emerging countries and fisheries to participate in the challenge of building that scientific rigour. MSC operates a global standard. It's the one standard for all fisheries, no matter what scale, geography, uh, gear type, uh, they're all assessed against the same standard. And the majority of our fisheries come from those parts of the world that have more sophisticated fishery management because process is very data intensive. We need robust stock assessments and management. However, if we really are to contribute to delivering our vision of healthy, resilient oceans and seafood supplies safeguarded for this and future generations, we have to engage more in low income countries uh, in small scale fisheries. And I think this throws up particular challenges. It's one reason why MSC is innovating. Uh, we have our In Transition to MSC program, our ITM program, which works with fisheries in the pre-certification space to try and help them on their pathway to sustainability, to get them to the starting gate when they're ready for an independent assessment. Um, in our new strategic plan that my board will be discussing uh, in June, later, later this month, we're in June already, I just realized, um, uh, we plan to scale that ITM program. Uh, one, one area of MSC that I am very proud of is our Ocean Stewardship Fund. Uh, a few years ago, uh, the board agreed to hypothecate 5% of our logo license revenue that we generate and to use this 
in our ocean stewardship fund to fund ITM, to fund research that will benefit the entire industry, uh, to help fisheries overcome some of the challenges they face in closing down conditions. Uh, relatively small beer in the scheme of things, but we, we've managed to put, I think, two or three million pounds into this and are actively trying to fundraise to leverage other funding uh, to enable us to scale this activity. But long story short, we need to be doing more in the global south with both small scale and large scale fisheries. That means innovating and developing new tools and approaches uh, that will include pathway projects, as we've been working on in Western Australia, and we hope more engagement with um, in transition to MSC fisheries. And again, a, a feature of our new strategic plan will be very much looking at how we can work with others to collaborate uh, with local providers and, and partners to scale that work. Global seafood trade is approximately 130 billion US dollars annually, with MSC certified fisheries accounting for nearly 15 billion of that. The drive by consumers to have a clearer line of sight to where the seafood they purchase comes from, who caught it, and how, has been in part driven by the work undertaken by the MSC with global retailers. As I mentioned, the, the market's approaching $14 billion annually. You know, many retailers have built commitments preferencing MSC certified fisheries, which is great, because then that rewards those fisheries that have achieved that level of, of, of performance. And I think the growing public awareness and expectations of the market to do the right thing has actually really solidified those commitments. You know, gone are the days of a tokenistic CSR type commitment of sourcing a little bit of sustainable seafood. This is very much part and parcel of business strategy. And every uh, two years, MSC commissions Globescan, an independent organization to conduct the biggest survey of seafood consumers in the world. It's about 25,000 people are interviewed, I think, from 16 markets. Uh, and we've just released uh, the latest survey, which again shows consumers care deeply about ocean sustainability. They are worried about climate change. They're worried about um, uh, overfishing and they will preference certified sustainable seafood when they are given that choice. And I think it's a sort of virtuous circle that retailers meeting the expectations of an increasingly aware and demanding consumer base have, have maintained uh, uh, commitments to MSC sourcing, not exclusively, but as, as, as the sort of uh, highest level of assurance that they're actually looking for, despite some of the challenges the world's facing with, you know, higher inflation, growing nationalism, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So uh, I'd say the relations are good. Um, we're taking off in places that we didn't think we'd take off. You know, e-commerce in China, um, uh, Eon, Japan's largest retailer, I think, has a 20% commitment to MSC and ASC uh, on the farm side. And, and given the volumes, this is very, very, very significant. So we've seen no pairing back. Um, and if anything, we've seen a deepening of commitment um, to, to, to support sustainable fisheries. Just like the demands of global warming can be a challenge in the emerging worlds, where the strife for progress can overtake the longer term ideals, so too is the task of building and understanding for and adoption of a concept such as MSC. But just as retailers have championed its adoption in the Western market, MSC is having a direct impact in the emerging worlds also. Well, it has to be remembered, MSC, you know, although we've grown, in reality, we're a very small organisation trying to make a contribution to one of the biggest sustainability challenges humanity faces. 
we started in China with with one woman, Anyan, who is our program director there, uh, building relations with government, with retail, with some fisheries. We've expanded. I think we have a team of about seven or eight based in China now. Uh, on the production side, it's harder. We we have some Chinese fisheries in assessment. But on the market side, uh, there's been more growth. Uh, and as I said, from from e-commerce, uh, Alibaba's Tmall has got a commitment to, to MSC sourcing, uh, JD.com as well. And the challenge with China is it's vast. So we're sort of focusing on particular cities um, and we're doing what we can. I mean, we, we, we need to do everything more quickly. I'm, I'm a great believer that the Sustainable development goals really are humanity's best last chance to shift us onto a more sustainable and equitable footing. Uh, and the end date's 2030. That's not very far away. So, again, I come back to the fact that this is this is not all about, you know, one organization. This is about the collective of individuals, business, governments and non-government all doing what they can to reward and incentivize good practice and to ensure oceans are managed sustainably. And again, the more we talk to people, individuals within businesses, they, they want to do the right thing. They've got kids, they've got grandchildren, they're deeply concerned. And MSC is a pretty, pretty, pretty straightforward, simple offering. You know, if you preference fish from an MSC certified fishery, you will reward those fishers who have opened themselves up to an independent scientific examination of how they are fishing the oceans and have met that standard. And there's also a chain of custody to ensure fish that's you know got the label on it has come from a certified fishery. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I just looking at looking at the growth over the last 20 odd years. Um, we want to carry on doing that, um, not for growth sake, because that's what drives impact. In markets such as the USA, UK and Australia, food service accounts for more than 50% of seafood purchases. However, managing the supply chain into food service is complex, fragmented and multi-layered. How does a program such as the MSC traverse this complex and dynamic channel? Food service, a uh, very important part of the equation. Uh, you know, some countries like the US, I think over 50% of seafood is eaten in food service. Um, we have major chains like McDonald's committed to MSC sourcing throughout Europe, Canada, uh, USA, and I think Brazil as well. Um, uh, fillet of fish all come from MSC certified fisheries. Uh, it's harder for MSC to operate at the level of the independent restaurant or independent fishmonger. We are engaged with some of these businesses, but our program is is robust. There there are costs, and therefore the offering is more costly. Uh, and arguably a little bit more complex than some of the other assurance mechanisms out there because an independent retailer or, or food service out there would have to have an annual chain of custody audit to make sure there are systems in place to separate certified from non-certified products. Uh, and that all adds a bit of cost. But again, going forward, we're looking at seeing how we can simplify the approach whilst maintaining levels of assurance for food service. Um, we're working, you know, a lot with the chains, the Kia as well, a big food service uh, entity in its own right has a global commitment to MSC and, and MSC certified seafood. So, again, it's an area that we see has huge potential, but the bulk of our work is, is really linking certified fisheries to the major retailers around the world. From natty traffic light system based apps endorsed by rockstar chefs, 
to deep and often boring government scientific reports, it seems everyone has an opinion about how, what and where sustainable seafood exists. Whilst there are many well-intentioned seafood sustainability schemes in existence, many are based on Google research. They may be poorly funded and with no commercial or traceable anchors. The use of science and an evidence-based program is an absolute base imperative to ensure the emotion and subjectivity is removed from the discussion and that a clear, consistent and objective lens is used consistently in the review and endorsement of any fishery. Yeah, when MSC started, there wasn't a sustainable seafood movement. You know, uh, our founders, WWF and Unilever, really were pioneering in, in, in sort of conceptualizing the MSC. Over those 25 years, yes, there's a plethora of assurance mechanisms have emerged with different degrees of robustness. And um, there's a collaborative called the Certification and Ratings Group that brings together groups like Monterey Bay, who have a ratings card, uh, you know, green, amber, red, uh, with MSC, ASC and others. And collectively, that group um, has, has some shared text which acknowledges independent certification is the highest level of assurance out there that consumers uh, are buying seafood from a well-managed sustainable stock with, with um, chain of custody back to that fishery. Um, that's because some of the ratings, there is no traceability. Um, ratings can be um, uh, formulated, you know, with publicly available data, desktop, no need to engage with the industry, no need for an action plan. So it's a very different offering to certification. Um, that said, you know, we work with many of the rating agencies and MSC hasn't certified all, all the fish. And, you know, you need you need someone to give advice on, you know, the goods uh, you know, and, and not so good uh, fish choices. That's not not MSC's area. But I think really you know, my message is it's not all about MSC. There are other third party certification labeling programs out there. But they're the ones that you need to be looking for. And, and the beauty of the MSC Blue Tick is you've got that assurance. It's independently assessed based on evidence. Every year, there's a surveillance audit for that fishery. Every five years, there's a recertification uh, and also typically to a new standard that will have incorporated new science and effectively raised the bar in terms of the performance that, that's expected. The challenges of climate change and overfishing are of greater interest and concern to people from all walks of life than ever. How these two crises interact and are demanding of a conclusive resolution is possibly the most urgent challenge faced globally. Collaboration between sustainable bodies is a must. Uh, the biggest is is climate change. I mean, it goes way beyond oceans, but um, you know, I've been privileged enough to be at events with uh, Secretary of State John Kerry and UN Special Oceans Ambassador Peter Thompson with both of them furiously saying, you know, we cannot resolve the climate crisis if we don't resolve the oceans crisis and vice versa. They're interlinked for all the reasons that we know about, you know, the critical role oceans play in, in, in climate regulation, absorbing the heat, quarter of all carbon dioxide emissions, providing every second breath we take, a huge source of renewable low carbon protein for humanity. Uh, that's the biggest challenge. and. We're seeing the impacts of climate change now. Fish are moving. They're moving north and south. This is a tragedy for developing nations around the equator and in the tropics who will lose biomass of fish stocks as they move. And that's why there is such urgency at a government level and an intergovernment level 
to adapt management to this rapidly changing pattern of fish uh, and, and, and fish stocks around the world. Um, MSC, uh, you know, uh, provides assurance that those those stocks are well managed because our third principle, principle three, looks at the management regime. And you need flexible, adaptive management that can act in real time uh, to, to respond to the changes uh, that are going on in the climate. And, and we have evidence to indicate MSC certified fisheries have much more stable levels of biomass more likely to be resilient to to the climate impacts that are now hitting the oceans. Um, There's one issue there. Um, I think another issue is uh, deglobalization, growing nationalism. You know, at the moment, we're living in a very high inflation uh, environment. Um, It's critical that businesses stay firm with their commitments to sustainability. They mustn't roll back uh, because Ensuring our oceans are fished sustainably, you know, it, it, it's got to happen. There's no choice about this if we're going to meet the sustainable, renewable, low carbon protein needs of a world that gets to 10 billion people. So there's some big challenges, which, again, is why MSC wants to continue to scale, why we want to work with others, uh, why we're increasingly working with government. Uh, we're also getting a little bit more vocal on, on what we call our quiet uh, policy advocacy or oceans voice where we're engaging with governments to encourage them to set the right enabling environments. We're encouraging the WTO to end their two decades of discussion on ending harmful subsidies, which can lead to overfishing uh, and too much capacity. You know, these discussions have got to come to an end. The stakes are too great for further chit chat, you know. And so this is why I think um, MSC, uh, is an evolving organization. As I said, we'll do more work in, in uh, low-income countries, small-scale developing world fisheries. We'll do more on the public policy side uh, as we continue to focus on our core, which I hasten to say will always be our core, of maintaining a robust, credible science-based standard. <laughs> lot to do. A recent study estimated that if better management practices were implemented around the world, By 2030, over 80% of existing fisheries could be sustainable. By 2050, the amount of fish in the ocean would double, which would produce a global maximum sustainable yield of around 95 million tonnes. Despite the urgency, the future could be both sustainable and fishy. I'm one of life's optimists. I really think humanity could deliver sustainable oceans. We really could. Um, we've seen improvement. Where there is good management, fish stocks recover. They can be resilient. Um, there are studies that indicate perhaps another 10 or 15 million tonnes of seafood could be taken out of the oceans uh, if, if they were fished sustainably. So we know what the challenges are. We know what the solutions are. We need the political will. And again, this is why I think you know it's really interesting seeing some of the partnerships that are developing, like CBOS. Um, you know, a, a sort of convening of, I think, 10 or 11 of the biggest seafood businesses in the world who, again, are getting much more engaged in their own commitments to sourcing sustainable seafood, uh, dealing with some of the social challenges in, in the seafood industry in terms of slave and bonded labor, uh, and also um, giving a voice to encouraging governments <coughs> and politicians to uh, adopt appropriate policies to ensure fisheries are managed sustainably. So there's a lot going on, and I think increasingly people pushing pushing in the same direction. 
Being driven by environmental, commercial and cultural sustainability is much an art as it is a science. I, I love this industry. I, I, I love the oceans and fish and fishing. Um, I was very privileged to, to be in Brittany uh, a couple of um, weeks ago and I went out with a 84-year-old inshore fisherman uh, just you know, with some gill nets and some lobster pots. And that reconnection to the ocean, to the calmness and beauty, and then the hunter-gatherer spirit, the, the joy of bringing a pot in and catching a three-kilo lobster. Uh, and catching mackerel and, and, and various other fish that we ate that day. Um, there is just something very profound about this industry. And I, I've met, I've been privileged in my role. I've been working at MSC for 18 years, but I've traveled around the world. I've been out fishing on salmon boats in Alaska, uh, in Lofoten with inshore cod, cod fishermen. Uh, it's something that connects all of these fishes around the world. And I think they're the biggest conservationists. They care deeply about oceans and ocean sustainability. And it's, it's just such a privilege to be part of this industry and community and, and trying to do our bit. MSC has got about 250 passionate, committed uh, staff around the world who are focused you know their professions and their careers on on doing what we can to work with the industry with the market and with governments to contribute to delivering the sdgs it's such a privilege to be part of that so that, that's what motivates me and then the odd the odd moment where you do get out to fish and reconnect is is just wonderful sustainable seafood is the most environmentally efficient source of protein on the planet sustainable seafood represents a healthy relationship with our oceans that can endure forever when humans consume seafood, we leave an indelible mark on the ecosystem. It is critically important for our own well-being and that of the oceans that we understand the impacts of our choices. Rupert Howes is a relentless optimist whose passion and positivity are to be admired. His work driving the Marine Stewardship Council is an inspiration to all who care about seafood, care about our oceans and care for the future. This is Fishtales, a seafood podcast. A Deep in the Weeds production, I'm John Sussman. Follow us on Instagram at Fishtales Seafood Podcast or email us at fishtalespodcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay tuned for more tales from beneath the surface of the seafood world every Friday on your podcast app.